Hello. Oh, oh, there. It works. Yeah, that was weird. I heard you Skype dial. It, it, my, I don't know what happened. My Plantronics, because I'm at home today, so I don't oh. have my good, my good stuff. Oh, well, no wonder you sound like crap. I know, I know. <laughs> Damn it. And you've been listening to me sound like that for uh, 34 episodes. It, well, exactly. And you, and you didn't say anything, because you're well, a gentleman. I'm a nice guy. I'm a, uh, uh, what, what was the term that Mike Batts used? Something about me being uh, apologetically Canadian or, yeah. or something like that. That's, that's right. Yeah. I didn't want to mention it, but, uh, and, and so my, my Plantronics was plugged in and Skype said that it was all working. And then, um, I just unplugged it and plugged it back in and magically it worked. So. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I took me a few plugging and unplugging of things in various orders to get, uh, uh, to get to get this setup working today and it worked it worked much better last time i don't know it's just it's very strange i'm sure the listeners love that this is how we start every episode off <laughs> i think they've come to expect it i think if we didn't right. do it they would uh you know we should they would complain we should, we should do it just one time we'll just cut this whole part out <laughs> it's yeah. not that it won't happen it's right just, we'll just cut it out we'll fix it in post so what's going on oh right. so i'm ready to do this podcast man me too. I uh, did you I, get I, some coke? I, I well, I you know what? I didn't get some coke. I went down to the fridge, and what did I see? I saw a beer. So, <laughs> hey, you're working from home, man. Working from home, and it's three. It's three thirty. I uh, I just got a uh, final report in like 15 minutes ago for a grant that ended in December. So I was uh, very happy to finish that off, and I thought, you know what? It's time for it's time for a beer. So I'm having a a. Uh, Miller Lite. Uh, the Oof, great- wait, wait. I thought you said you're having a beer. Ah, it is. This is um, one of my guilty pleasures. Is that I, I really like Miller Lite really cold, and I don't know. It, it is great Pilsner taste. Doesn't say uh, <laughs> that it's Pilsner. It just has a great Pilsner taste. So. <laughs> it's funny, you know. I was uh, I was teaching uh, a better process control school last week uh, in Pennsylvania, and um, I stayed in. Um, it's the town Westchester, as opposed to Westchester, New York, which is all one word. This is Westchester, uh, two words. And um, I stayed in a very nice hotel right in the downtown area, as opposed to where I stayed when I taught this Better Process School last year, which was out in a hotel out in the city outskirts, which was which was horrible. And in fact, all of the hotels in the city outskirts seem to be horrible from the online reviews, except for this this new one, which is in downtown. But the, the cool thing about it was there's a lot of really cool restaurants. And the, the place that I went to the first night was a brew pub. And I'm not a big a big fan of beer. I, I, I used to drink it back in the day, but I'm more a bourbon man now. But I went to the brew pub. How are you going to order bourbon when you go to the brew pub? That's <laughs> right, so stupid, yeah. right? But So I did, I did a flight. Uh, I oh. did a six six beer flight, and uh, God, and I I prefer I prefer the lagers to the ales, and of course, ales are what are popular these days. So there weren't there weren't a lot of choices, but uh, one of the ones they gave me was their house light beer, and uh, and so they they bring it out and. You got like six little spots, and they they label each one. And so I was sort of taking some notes on that on that placemat. And next to that one, I wrote "Taste like bud." Ugh. <laughs> um. Uh, uh, yeah. So there's a <laughs> there's a guy on my hockey team who. So when when I play hockey, um, and I, I think I've mentioned that I play for Chick Fil A, and we have these really cool jerseys. Oh, you didn't um, mention that. I didn't know you played for Chick Fil A. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So I've got I've a friend who. Um, 
uh, owns a Chick-fil-A and he sponsors our hockey team. He plays hockey with us. And um, we have this, you know, thing after a hockey game, someone brings beer every week, except there's one guy on our team who I, I don't know what happened to him um, to, to, I, I don't know, traumatize him so much, but he won't drink any Anheuser-Busch product um, to, to the point where everyone kind of knows it, except when a new guy shows up with beer and brings it and he makes kind of this like big deal, like, like not even kind of like a fake big deal, like really a big deal. Like he's, he's deeply offended that no one's informed this new person that, um, that that's the wrong kind of beer. And, and he, he kind of leaves in a, in a huff. So, um, so anyway. it's the, it, you know, it, that reminds me of the way that Larry Goodridge is about Apple products. <laughs> Whoa! I didn't know this at all. Apple, oh, Apple, oh, like Apple products, like our Apple products. Like, like not, yes, like from <laughs> from from the company Apple. Not applesauce. Not no, not 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 things cobbler. containing the fruit, but the yeah. technology company. Yes. <laughs> really, he's yeah. he's so anti Apple that he he'll leave, or he's so anti PC. <laughs> well, I'm confused. No, Which no. way is Larry? Well, he won't leave. <laughs> he, <laughs> He he won't leave, but he is very he he will he he has deliberately chosen not to use a Mac, which is not that hard in a university environment. But he refuses to get an iPhone. He refuses to get an iPad. Um, and, and yeah, he's just and, and there is there is and I don't know if he listens to the show, but there is there is some deep seated thing in his history, which he alluded to when I visited him recently. He said something about yeah, well Steve Jobs let me down and. Um, I don't wow. want to go into it, but I'm never forgiving the company. And that was wow. the end of it. So I bug him about it, but he, it's really, it's really not even a joke anymore. I, I saw it. I, yeah. Anyway, do you, do you think it's because of what Steve did to iTunes? <laughs> no, I think this, this goes back a lot, a lot before that. I think this goes back to when Larry was a child. <laughs> Oh, so when, when Steve was with Pixar, I, so I'm confused. I, I think this is when Steve was with Apple the first time. Wow, wow. Yeah, I, I'm not really sure. This is all me reading between the lines. So I could be completely wrong, but we should do a whole episode of just re- reading between the lines. <laughs> This is good. Well, um, I will. What what I'm going to do from now on when I see Larry is I'm going to give him Apple products, but like Apple foods, Apple containing, <laughs> and he'll never know that this is why. But but I'm gonna I'm gonna be like, hey, do you want to do you want some apple juice or um, <laughs> they have some apple muffins over there? And I just want to see if I can push him uh, over the edge, or I don't know. Well, maybe he'll never know. Maybe it'll be a funny joke between you and I oh. and Mike Batts and Michelle. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yes. Good stuff. Excellent. Good, good. So, um, uh, we we're we're doing this podcast um, quick. We we did one last week, and the uh, uh, show notes are are done. And I edited, or I've got the audio file leveled, so it's ready to edit tonight and go up. Uh, but we did that just a week ago, so now we're um, uh, uh, doing a little follow up from from that last episode. And uh, I have not watched in an entire week any episodes of The Wire, so I'm still stuck. I'm at the last episode of season four. Um, so that's my, my continuous wire update, but I've, I've watched nothing. Uh, I don't even know what I've done with my, with my time in the last week. Very little. I don't uh, think you've been writing papers because I no? haven't seen much action in your, uh, your, your log there. Haven't even opened up, uh, papers. I, I've been, I don't even, I like, I mean, do you ever have these weeks where you have to look back at your calendar to know what you did? 
Yeah, th- those those are those are bad weeks, and I I have been. I'm just my my travel schedule has been so light, and it's just starting to heat up. Where it's like one of those things where oh right, I remember what this feels like. I send the travel order off to the travel agency, and I got to get the send the form back, and I'm going on this trip, and I'm going on that trip. But my my travel schedule has been so quiet, and I've just been working from home, and I've just been cranking. I mean, just really doing a doing just getting like lots of stuff done, and it feels very good, and it feels very productive, but it also feels very unusual. Like I'm just waiting. Like okay, well, there's some huge big thing that I have completely forgotten that is like that I know that I should have been working on, but I don't, I don't think that that's true. But uh, anyway, so yeah. So staying out of the office is a good way to get things done. I, I just, uh, yeah. And, and I, I was invited. I think we talked about this. I was invited to be part of this select group of people that are supposed to do this, um, uh, help the president with a strategic planning process. And I just, I, blew it off. I just said, I'm not, I just, I can't spend a whole day in a room with people talking about stuff. It's like, you know, what would really help the university if I could find out how much money I have in my grants, you know, what would help the university (laughs) is if I could order stuff and it would come right away. You know, it's like mundane stuff that nobody wants to hear about, but it's just like, it's stuff that is broken at a very fundamental level that until it's fixed, it's like that, that's what's, that's, what's causing me to not be as effective a scientist as I could be. You know, not not that we don't have some grand vision, right? Or uh, uh, like a brand new awesome library that will bring everybody together and collaborate. No, no, that's no. We <laughs> we, we don't need we, we need we need to get more journals. You know, yes. we need to have more online access to journals. But that's about it. Well, yeah. it, it's I don't know if you saw um, th- this is in the notes, but something that popped up this week was i think it was the ceo of yahoo oh yes this has been all over the blogosphere yeah podcastosphere there's it was a really nice episode of some podcast that i listen to now so, oh something with uh with dan benjamin uh oh it was it was it was an ep- it was the episode it was an episode of quit maybe oh cool uh, where he talked about uh he talked about this with uh DHH David Hasselmeyer Hansen, who is the guy who um, uh, created Ruby on Rails, but who also works for uh, the company Thirty Seven Signals, and uh, and they're all about working remote working. And he just oh he's it's it's a it's a great I think it, I think it was an episode of Quit. Anyway, he he just really he curses first of all, so it wasn't it, it was full of lots of lots of bad words, which I always love in a podcast. That's awesome. Um, yes. But yeah, but yeah, so I heard about this whole thing with Marissa Mayer uh, telling people from Yahoo they couldn't work from home. Bullshit. Oh, 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 oh we'll fix we'll that. fix that. Yeah, that because we don't want to lose that or get that explicit stamp in no. iTunes. Um, yeah, it was, it was kind of crazy. And, and I just thought, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I, you know, I, I've talked to Doug all the time and he's, uh, sort of going through this telecommuting, uh, process. The fact that he lives in Australia and is a faculty member at Kansas state. And, and this came up and I was like, man, there's no way in, in my life that you could force collaboration worse than making me go sit in an office. Like, like I'll go to an office, I'll go to my office when it makes sense. And if something, if, if there's going to be some sort of situation where, um, you know, a, a situation that's not forced, like, like I have an idea and I can connect with the people that I need to work with on something or someone else has an idea and they can connect with me and, and some of us will be in a room and some of us might be on Skype or, or whatever. Um, but just the fact that, um, 
you know her as far as i can read the the memo on this that it that it is about working side to side and communication is all about collaboration and that's why we have to be face to face man i don't i mean i don't even want to put pants on most days that's what makes me that'll make me a better collaborator not wearing pants and i just can't do that well you know you know what makes me a better collaborator having an extra hour and a half in the day when i don't when i don't have to drive to work oh, you so know? true Yes. Having having lunch with my wife, being able to sleep late and then work late if I want to, and 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 work at my own schedule. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Have you have you ever had like I've never really had a real job. I mean, I, I had a job. <laughs> <laughs> you, me, and Merlin Mann. Okay, good, good. Ne- we'll never, never we've never yeah. had a real job. I, I had a. I mean, I, I worked when I was. Um, after my first year of university, I did not have a job, and I went home uh, out of Guelph back to Port Hope, and I worked with a, a guy who my, my dad taught his kid, and, and I built barns, and he was a uh, contractor, and so I, I did some um, painting for him. But, but ultimately, in that, in that job, I mean, I was a laborer, but it was a small company, and maybe 30% of the time I worked on my own. Like I just had a radio and he'd be like, go clean this house up. Cause we're going to go in and do some remodeling or go, you know, do whatever. It's a, th- a thing. The only, the, the other job that I had was after my second year of university. And this is the only job where I looked at the clock and it was, I worked in a commercial greenhouse where we, um, the, the company grew, uh, mi- miniature roses and they, they were in like three and four inch pots and they shipped them all over the U S and I, I had to clock in and clock out and it was, um, you know, I, I drove 45 minutes. It was, you know, it was south of Guelph and anyway, it was, it was a pain, but that was the only time I've ever once looked at the clock and thought, I mean, and, and physically looked at my watch and was like, man, I just got to put in half an hour more. And, and since then that was 1999. I've never, I've never done that. I mean, I, and I, I think I'm really lucky to not have that, that issue, but if, if someone, you know, and I mean, not, not like a university setting would, would do this, but who knows, sometimes they're quite backwards. Um, if, if someone said, look, you know, we really expect you to be in your office uh, because you're going to be able to collaborate better with um, the, all the folks that are in your department. And we want you to be here from, from nine till five and, uh, and we'll, you know, bring your lunch and you can all sit in the lunchroom together. I think I would, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I just wouldn't, I, I couldn't handle it, but it's, but I've never, I've never had to go through that, that situation. But, but I don't know. I mean, it's, I, I don't, I probably waste a lot of time, but I probably waste a lot less time than I would if I was constantly trying to figure out when I was getting out of there. So, yeah, absolutely. I I have had, I have actually had real, uh, real jobs before I worked in a Godfather's pizza. I worked in a convenience store running the cash register. I worked cutting grass one summer. I worked uh, mopping floors one summer, but I, but since, uh, since graduate school, I've never had a real job. (sighs) And and I mean, do you ever look at the clock? <laughs> no, I'm I I look at the clock because I have an appointment coming, right. or yeah. I, I got to get home to you know to to see my kids or to see my wife or you know I got a I got a Boy Scout meeting or something in the afternoon. But yeah, no, I'm never thinking like oh it's well see and that's the whole thing about academia. It's not it's not about how much time you put in. It's about what you produce. Right, exactly, and it and it's kind of a. Um, I mean, it's hard to to explain um, to those who aren't in the in this world. But but I don't I don't know. I just never I never think about time. And maybe that's why I'm late all the time. 
Maybe that's why we started this podcast 20 minutes later than we were going to. <laughs> could, could be. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I probably shouldn't cop to it on the air in case anybody ever listens to this, but we actually have a official, uh, telecommuting work from home policy, uh, for Rutgers cooperative extension. And it's, uh, it's mind numbing. I just, you know, anyway, I will, I will, we will, we will erase this part of the tape and I will deny ever having said it. And I will just pretend that I didn't know that we had a work from home policy that was Byzantine and broken. Well, <laughs> uh, awesome. I, what <laughs> you, you allude to it. What, what is so Byzantine and broken about it? I'm now curious. Oh, uh, you know, I was going to find it and link to it, but I think it's on our intranet. Oh. And so I can't do that, but it's, it's something like, you have to declare in advance which days of the week you do this. It can only be a certain number of days of the week. It has to be approved in advance. You have to – I think you have to wow. document what you're working on. I mean it's just like – it's incredible. like how to make people not work from home. Write this yeah. policy. You know? <laughs> or or um, how to not have a policy followed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. awesome. Well, mm. hey, cool. Um, so yeah, that, so that, that's been going on, but I, I mean, I look back my week, I just had, uh, I was supposed to go to the mountains, North Carolina to do a, a workshop all day, uh, yesterday and, uh, we had some bad weather. So I ended up having like a day and a half free out that I, that I didn't have, but I spent it on, uh, I reviewed a couple of papers and I, um, got this final report done and it just, you know, things, things stack up. So, but it all kind of like m- melds together. So hopefully before we have our writing buddies call on the 12th, I'll have, uh, I, I've like a day and a half open in between now and then that I, that I think I'll be able to get my 10 hours in so i can so i can write well well good just to just to, in an effort to piss piss uh, bats off um one thing that i did yesterday was i wrote a paper Damn, just, and, just and, an entire whole paper start to finish <laughs> start to finish well and i have to i have to say it's not it's not it's not a bad paper it's not it was not to be peer-reviewed it was ba- it was based on a talk that i gave in columbia and they have uh a journal, like the food science journal down there. And they're like, please, can you write up your talk? And I'm like, okay, okay. And then they begged me and they begged me. And I, I like didn't do it and I didn't do it. And finally they said, look, the deadline is the 10th of March. And I'm like, you know what? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my PowerPoint presentation out. I'm going to get out my my copy of Dragon Dictate. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to look at these slides and I'm going to speak into this microphone and the computer through the magic of computers is going to make those sounds turn into words and then I am going to turn it into something that I am not ashamed of, but it's good enough and with references and figures and tables and everything and that's what I did yesterday. And, and, and it- and it worked. And it like, worked. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't. If you if you have never checked out Dragon Dictate, I don't know. Every time I load it, I get an error message saying it won't work with this version of the OS. But it it works great. I mean, cool. it's it's like Siri quality, and it's you have to you have to prepare it in advance, and you have to calibrate it to your microphone. So it's not it's not calibrated to my my podcaster, Rode podcaster, but it is calibrated to my my Plantronics. So I put on my Plantronics, and I just talked away and it was great. And you know, the other thing that I've used it for too, is I have, I've had to transcribe columns of numbers sometimes, and it Mm. wouldn't, it was on, it was on PDFs that weren't OCR. And even when I tried to OCR it, I couldn't copy it. Um, so I ended up like, uh, 
recently using it again to just read off columns of numbers, and it works great. It's way better than rekeying it by hand. So anyway, so that worked really well to to write a paper. So I'm I, I want to get into the habit of trying to do that more because I think it's a lot easier. And I'm not a very good typist. I'm like I never learned to really type. I kind of type with two fingers. I go pretty fast because I know where all the keys are, but. Um, <laughs> It's uh, yeah. I just I gotta I gotta find more excuses to use that because it really seemed to work very very well. Huh. I'm, gonna, I'm I'm gonna have to check that out. No, I've never uh, I've never used it. I'll uh, I'll take a look. I was <clears throat> I've been using Siri more and more um, in my car to send texts and to do things like Siri shuffle tragically hip <laughs> shuffling tragically hip Siri play dirt off my shoulder. <laughs> playing dirt off my shoulder. I just I, I like talking to her to to make her play my my songs. Yeah, I, I I've been trying. I use it very often if I'm texting while I'm driving, mm. you know, uh, with with somebody, or if I'm just like feeling lazy. Uh, yeah, it works. It works. It works quite well. It seems to be working better than it than it was. I mean, it was working okay. Then a lot of people got on it, and then it, it, I think it it kind of crashed under the load. But it seems to be working pretty well lately. Mm. Cool. Well, I was part of that crash, maybe. <laughs> So we should we should talk about follow up and then, and then eventually uh, twenty minutes in or twenty five thirty minutes in we'll get to talking about food safety. Yeah, we'll do a show. <laughs> we are, we're doing a show now. It's just not a food safety show. I think uh, we are. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad I'm glad we're doing something. <laughs> so, um, so Squarespace six. Yes. Did you did you check out the the Squarespace no. six version of the site I created? I did not. I, okay. I saw that there was an email. I did not. My <laughs> follow up. I yeah didn't follow up. Okay, so when when you're ready to upload the MP3, you yes. can go to uh, and we have two weeks of this trial, so it's running it's running out. But uh, if you if you want to try, we can we can launch it on the Squarespace six site. If everything looks okay, um, we can we can kind of flip the switch. What I'd like to do is I've gone ahead and done the work, and it looks pretty good. It doesn't look the same. Well, so first of all, you should go and take a look at the new Squarespace site. Um, I'm Okay, and it 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 looks really nice. And then the other thing that you really must must do is look at the new Squarespace site on your phone. Ooh. Oh, it is absolutely beautiful. And that's the nice thing about Squarespace Six is it's got this. Um, I'm blanking on what it's called. The uh, anyway, the, it, it basically makes it look nice on no matter what device you're looking at it. So cool. awesome. Yeah, I'll check. Uh, I'll check that out. Um, yeah, tonight when I uh, when I do the edit on this. Good. Yeah, and and it, it does. It would. It will actually. You know what? It, it's already saving us money because uh, to the the plan, the Squarespace Five plan that we. This must be fascinating for people. The Squarespace Five plan that we were on, they don't offer it anymore. So I had to change it to a different plan, which is actually saving us money. And then if we move the hosting over to Squarespace, that'll save us like a couple bucks a month um, on Amazon S3, which is where we're hosting it right now. So I don't know what it's going to do to past episodes. It might it might host things up, but. Anyway, I, I think it's I think it's worth it just because it it I mean I've heard you know a lot of the shows I listen to Squarespace is a an advertiser on and and it and they the hosts rave about but it really is quite cool. Cool, I like the I like the new look. It looks good. good. Oh, and it, I think it also does all that tagging stuff that I wasn't doing and that you were running around and fixing behind me. I think it does that all automatically when you go to upload a podcast. So even yeah. better. Yeah. Well, that's cool. So we'll, and, have to change, we'll change our workflow and let. Uh, was it um, Chuck? Who, who was it that? Oh, Chuck Haas. Yeah, Chuck Haas. We'll let him know that we've updated it. <laughs> It'll. It's still. Yeah, still got to do all the leveling and all that nonsense, though. <laughs> cool. 
But uh, but yeah, and, and and also it will it will hopefully give us a better tracking of actually how many people are downloading the podcast. I suspect so. Um, oh, and then the last bit of follow up, um, which may take a little bit of time depending on how much you want to talk about this, is I have been absolutely talking about workflows. I've been absolutely loving the newsroom, and so my workflow now is we go up to bed and I watch twenty three minutes of the newsroom <laughs> before I turn out the light. Awesome. And I'm so I'm, you're done. You, you're ready for another season. I'm ready for the. I'm, I'm closing in on the end of uh, of season one. I'm in. The, I'm, I watched the first part of the three part episode meltdown. Um, which is about uh, a, a reactor, apparently that is a real reactor in Canada yes. uh, that is uh, apparently on the show is going to melt down. And uh, I just love the comment from George at the, at the top of the uh, top of the show where he says, you know, a, rac- a reactor emergency has way too much science and not enough production value. So it's, it's a really hard thing to do on the news. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I've watched that one. Um, for a while, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to catch up on this. The mel- the reactor. Do you remember if it is the Pickering? Pickering, reactor? yes, it's yeah. Pickering. Good. So that, that that reactor is not that that's on the side of the city that I grew up on. Oh, excellent. Yeah, where um, Danny and I used to drive to um, to Oshawa, which is uh, two towns away from Pickering, to go to uh, the movies when we were teenagers, and then if the movie wasn't playing that we wanted to see in Oshawa. We'd have to drive all the way to Pickering. And there used to be an olive garden uh, in Pickering for our Darden uh, listeners uh, was the, like one of the only olive gardens that were, that was in Canada. So, so there you go. Cause there's no more olive garden in Canada. Huh? Yeah. Left, left huh. a long time ago. Like in, huh. in, like right around the newsroom, probably like That's in the late, late nineties. I don't know if it's linked. I'm not sure if this, if the fake meltdown in, in, uh, it might be. Well, I tell you, one, talking about the, the meltdown, one of the funniest bits of the, in, in, in the part one is so David Cronenberg, the director, um, is, is, is going to be a guest. And, of course, everybody wants to talk about Scanners. Nobody wants to talk about his new movie, Crash. And the, 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 the idiot uh, anchor, Jim, I think, says, oh, wait, well, I can do a scan- an impression of a, a Scanners head blowing up. And he does this really good impression where he shakes his head and everything. Um, and then at some point they're like, oh, uh, David, can you stay with us a few minutes longer? We're going to talk about this meltdown, this potential meltdown. And, and uh, Cronenberg says, really, this re- the Pickering reactor is really going to melt down? He says, yeah, really. And then you just see him stand up, takes the microphone off leaves the newsroom and then goes running down the hall like, once again, as far as possible. Uh, I do. I do remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, good. So I will, uh, I, I will throw in, uh, um, some more episodes to Dropbox for you. Yeah, please do. Please do. And, and I'm going to, uh, I think I'll take the ones that are there out of Dropbox and, and put them into my, uh, permanent collection so they won't take up uh, bandwidth, Dropbox uh, bandwidth. No problem at all. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, I, I'm, I think I'm going to go back and watch uh, season season two. So I think there's there's something in the middle. There's like a a, a movie, right? Uh, yeah, Escape from the Newsroom, mm-hmm. and then season two happens. Season two and season three are back to back, and they were like 2004, or 2005, or yeah, something. like almost ten years later. Yeah. So there, season two is actually my favorite. Um, the, the uh, I, while I like the characters in season one, I think the um, they. I, I don't know. There, there's a, a, a guy Matt in in season two and season three who is like the perfect counter to, um, uh, um, gosh, to uh, George. So it's it's like his his new assistant is is much funnier than the other one. So yeah, so you'll so you'll like it. 
So it's good. Oh, excellent. Well, I, I'm, I, like I said, I just absolutely, I love, I, I've been loving season one, so it's hard to imagine something better. It really seems to me that it was way ahead of its time, right? Yeah. Because there wasn't any, I mean, this is like, this predates the office by oh, quite yeah. some time. It, and it's just, a, it's, it's like a very uncomfortable, this guy is a total jerk, but it is really funny, like how much of a jerk this guy is. Yeah. And it's, it, you describe it exactly what draws me to it is it's so uncomfortable to watch. That's why I've like the newsroom, especially the, the BBC version, um, how you just watch it and you go, Oh, like you cringe at times and you just can't watch. That's the draw. Like you don't, I, I mean, I, I, there aren't a lot of things, um, on TV that I can compare it to where I get that. Oh man, I just, I don't want to, I don't want to see what he's going to say next, but the newsroom was, I, I mean, for sure the first time that I'd, I'd been exposed to that. And then, yeah, the, um, I think the, the UK office came, came along another two or three years, four years later, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. So it's, no, it's good. And, and George, I mean, George is just such a great character. Just, just, just awesome. And, and the other thing too, is if you've ever seen news being made in particular, if you've ever watched television news being made, you, you realize that it's, it's alarmingly not far from reality. Right. <laughs> I mean, well, and they shot it all through the CBC. I mean, it's on CBC, which is, you know, Canada's, um, I, there's no real comparison to the, to a U.S. network, but it's kind of like the national network in Canada. And they, they just, you know, commandeered the newsroom and said, okay, we're going to shoot here. <laughs> so it's even, it's, it's, uh, it's meta. That's right. <laughs> right. Well, let's, let's start talking about food safety. We should do that. So we got lots of good stuff here. So, yeah, so I put a lot of stuff into the, the draft notes. Um, do you want to go first, though? Is there yeah, something you want to talk about? I do, and I want to talk about – I want to um, start with the first thing that we have here that you put in. The awesome. um Yes. <laughs> the the <laughs> fightback.org makes me so mad sometimes uh, topic. Yes. Um, so, so you posted something. Um, <clears throat> on your Tumblr, which I was stalking you and saw this, uh, that um, uh, Fight Back, the Partnership for Food Safety Education, put out uh, saying this, chill out, it's good for you, which is a great message. And then this part, the bacterium, Listeria monocytogenes, can grow at refrigerator, refrigerator temperatures above 40 degrees Fahrenheit. They forget to say what you add in your Tumblr that, hey, yeah, in fact, it can grow as far down as 34. Why, why are we focusing on, on 40 for listeria? Exactly. That- it's like, it's like, yeah, yes, you want to, you want to tell people about listeria. Yes. You want people to have their foods cold, but this is in my mind, this is exactly the wrong message. It, it's, it's, it's not really wrong. Right. I mean, right. It, it, it's true that it can grow at up temperatures above 40, but it's just like, <laughs> you just have to scratch your head and say, what, what were you thinking? Well, and this, uh, I mean, my, my, I think favorite example from, from the partnership and I, and maybe, I mean, maybe the partnership or our colleagues at the partnership, uh, listen, maybe they don't, I don't know. Um, but I, you know, we've, I've interacted with them, uh, in the past and, and recently on a couple of things, but we, but I've used this example and, and Doug's used this example going back to the outbreak, um, salmonella outbreak associated with tomatoes that was uh, uh, initially uh, linked to tomatoes that were sold through Sheets um, gas stations. And the message that came out in a press release from um, the um, the partnership was um, this outbreak reminds us to cook, chill, clean, and separate, or whatever the, the order is, chill, cook, separate, clean, whatever. Um, 
except the tomatoes that caused people that, that, that were linked to the illness were sold on sub sandwiches, sliced tomatoes on a sub sandwich. And, and it's, it, it's, I mean, it's like this, it's not an incorrect message. It's just not in the right context. Um, and it, and it maybe drives people away from what the, the real issue is in that situation. It was like, man, I couldn't have cooked that well, I mean, I guess I could have walked over and taken my ham sandwich that had tomatoes on it and put it in the microwave at, at the Sheets gas station, but I probably am not going to. So it's unlikely that I'm going to cook it. I couldn't have cleaned it because the the contamination is we, uh, uh, you know, uh, as we found out later, but also at the time people could have kind of guessed was it was in sliced tomatoes. It's not going to be something I'm going to wash. Can't wash it off. Um, right. The, all- the message was be, you know, don't eat tomatoes at sheets. I mean, I, you know, that's about the only thing you can do there. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's the, you know, what's the, what's the, um, buy it from a, a, a safe source and not to say sheets isn't a safe source, but at that point they weren't right. They were right. the source of this outbreak. And it's, I mean, it's like this, it kind of, these messages just kind of go and, and can, I don't know if it's confused. Isn't the right, the right word, but it's, you know, they, they have a mark. And then they kind of miss it a little bit by 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 putting in this this message that that a um, someone who's in microbiology just goes and's like, oh man, why didn't you why did you say that? So yeah, I like when I, when I saw that on your Tumblr, I was like, oh good, that'll go in the notes. <laughs> but so now, so you're you're stalking me on Tumblr, but you're not on Tumblr yourself. Uh, I am on Tumblr. You didn't. Don't, you didn't add anything. You I don't. Didn't do you didn't like my post. You didn't heart did. my post. I didn't because I I really my my workflow on Tumblr <laughs> is I see it through because it's all about me really right right yes yeah it is all about you I see it through my through uh, Twitter most of the time or or no actually through our you this one was through RSS feeds okay so I didn't actually go to your website I just re- read it through my um, your website I sound so old your your Tumblr <laughs> oh yeah it's, it's a website it's a website but it's uh, your your web pages on the interwebs yes <laughs> um, I read it through my net newswire uh, app where it all came up there so. right now I understand so sorry that's okay I'll get over it bad bad bats liked it yes he did he likes everything no not everything he likes a lot of what I write though so that's that's nice it's nice to be appreciated <laughs> excellent uh, where should we go next how about um, how about horse meat? Let's talk about horse meat a little bit. Oh, it's been all over the news, so yeah, we should talk about horse meat. Yeah, and um, let's talk about horse meat, and then I want to, and then let's come back to to IKEA uh, as well because there's some some cool stuff going on um, on that. So we talked a little bit in episode um, 35 about horse meat, uh, but you put you you put something in uh, a barf blog post that Doug had put out. Uh, around um, audits and audits are, are useless and, and kind of a, a, a neat little quote and I'm trying to bring it bring it up here but um, the note that you have here is Food Navigator reports that in a written evidence to the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs Committee, Paul Smith, a retired inspector with 43 years of experience in the meat industry said there is a massive failure of multiple retailers to monitor suppliers through appropriate inspections at appropriate intervals. There's a lot of, a lot of the use of the word appropriate there. Um, but but it has to do with um, with supplier verification, and that's what this this horse meat kind of thing is all about. It's you know, like we talked about last time. It's not a so much of a food safety thing. It's it's it becomes this. Well, what's what, what's in your food, and what are uh, what, what are people doing to um, maybe make 
what they're selling a little bit cheaper to them. And, uh, you know, ultimately what, what Doug's post was, what your comment was about here, I think was this idea that, um, a lot of times we've the, I mean, everything in the buyer supplier relationship is around trust that, um, we're going to put some standards in place and we're going to trust that you hit that. And then because we don't trust you like a hundred percent, we're going to send somebody out, but someone we trust to go and check to make sure that you're doing what you say you're going to do and hit our standards. And, um, not too often to me, uh, do I see that the buyer, the buyer group is actually sending their own people out to make some of those decisions. Um, I think it's happening more. I, I mean, I, I think probably what, what has ha- what happened was there was a lot of trust and then it used to be that, there, you know, before the sort of third-party audit system uh, popped up, that um, buyers would go out and, and visit, and they would look for things, but they would not, you know, maybe do a whole sort of uh, risk assessment uh, while they're out there. And then they got caught on a few things, so they started the um, the, um, the third-party audit situation, and uh, and then now I've gone, a, you know, a little bit uh, back to to sending individuals out. But but ultimately, it's it, it comes down to what is that supplier doing? Are they actually doing what they say they're going to do? And really, what kind of data do I need to see to make that uh, that decision? And and audits might be one part of that. And, and we've talked about this a lot. But it, but to rely on them alone um, is probably not a, a good thing. And so, what other data do you want to generate and, and look at? And a horse is just, you know, another piece of that. Yeah. And, you know, and we talk a lot uh, on this show about audits. And, uh, I mean, I think you and I are pretty convinced that they're broken. I'm still not sure how it's going to get fixed, mm. you know, and that and that's what and and maybe and maybe the maybe it's really just as simple as what you said which is that realize that audits are a tool they are not a perfect tool and you got to put other things in place so that you don't simply just rely on audits well yeah and and i think there's too much focus being on harmonizing the audits like as a as a supplier i sure it would piss me off if i had 15 buyers sending different auditors out that I would have to pay for and, and demonstrate that I was doing the right thing. Um, but maybe I would rather them have, you know, have a system that allows me to show them that I'm doing the right thing better than, than, um, than what an audit does. And we, you know, we, we've got, uh, we've got a, a great friend, uh, Gordon Habern, who's, who's an auditor, uh, not, uh, it works for a certification body, I guess, um, and uh, an auditing body. And, um, he and I have had a, a couple of conversations about this and, and we hope to put together uh, a workshop on this is the audits and the standards themselves. I mean, they're just, they're just checklists and, and this, this idea that someone has agreed on what, what everyone's supposed to do. It's how you use it that really matters. And, and I've, you know, challenged him a little bit and said, you know, I don't know if, uh, if the auditing industry is really told buyers a a, a good deal of how they should use this information or, or what it means. You know, if, if they attain the certification at, at a B level or at a 80% level or whatever it is, does that, what, what does that mean? And, and how does, how does someone make a decision on that? And that, that piece is, is, is I think missing, but, but, you know, it goes back to, 
why why rely on someone else to tell you what your suppliers are doing if you're going to uh, other than offloading the cost to the supplier, I'd rather them just pay my travel expenses if they want to supply to me or, or 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 something as a as a buyer, and I'll go out and check. You know, that to me that that helps fix the issue because then you're not really blaming anybody else. You agreed on the standard, and, and everyone, the buyer knows what the supplier is doing, and 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 there's a a common sheet that says, okay, this is what you're supposed to do, and I'm going to go look, and if I don't like it, I'm not going to buy from you. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. I'm yeah. So, but the horse stuff's the same. I mean, right. Like it's, it, it's just about, um, not knowing a lot about what a supplier is doing. Right. And, and apparently, I mean, apparently there, there is a great deal. I don't know, not a great deal, but a lot of people have found a little bit of horse meat in a lot of places. So what does that say about the system? If that's the case, that I mean, that's that that didn't all just sort of happen overnight, right? That was that's been there for a while. So there must have been, and this is you know we kind of get into this too when we start talking about um, the melamine from China and things like that. It's like, well, this was going on for a long time. What are you know what are the alarm bells that would have been ringing? And, and I've seen some pretty clever uh, presentations and information on retrospectively saying, "Well, gosh, if we've been looking at the right signals prior to melamine, um, you know, prior to us finding out that we had melamine in, in milk powder from China, we could have done something." And so, what what are the signals? And audits are part of that, but they're probably not all of it. What are the signals that we could have been looking at to see? Or to know that hey, there's something not quite right, and that that might be a signal that there's horse meat. It's easy. It's easy after the fact to figure it out. But but you know, are are there signals that we could have looked at that would have said, hey, gosh, we probably ought to look at 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 our meat supply. We ought to do some standard, you know, routine testing for species, for example. And do you think that this will just end up uh, booming that industry, the the DNA species industry? Yeah, and and I, and I think that's probably not a bad thing. Uh, I mean, I know it's a huge issue with seafood; people selling one yeah. kind of fish as as another kind of fish. And, and again, it's kind of like it's kind of like kosher or organic or local foods. It's like I really don't care, right? You can eat what you want, but damn it, if you're paying the extra money for organic. It better be organic. Or if I'm paying the extra money for this fish to be this fish, then it better be this fish. It's just it's fraud. It's not it's not a food safety issue, but it's misrepresentation and it's fraud. And people deserve to get what they're paying for. And if and if they're not, then the people that are that are crooks that are perpetrating that fraud, you know, need to be called out and punished. Yeah, abs- absolutely. And I think that it, it it comes back to that whole idea of trust. I don't. I go to the grocery store. I choose the grocery store that that I. Choose based on my trust that they're selling me stuff that they've labeled correctly, or they're selling me stuff. They're selling me meat pies that have meat in them, or or don't have horse, or whatever um, the, the, that's out there. And and it's it's you know as a consumer, I'm I'm that one more uh, trusting person um, in in the whole um, supply chain. And and there's only so much uh, information that I have out out there. I think it'll be. I, I think what'll what'll happen. This is my my prediction. We we should have done predictions in in the New Year's Eve version of this show, but I'm going to do one now. Okay. I, th- I think what we'll have is home DNA test kits for horse, 
and uh, and just horse because that's that's the only thing. There's there are going to be other species and of meats out there, I'm sure, but a horse will be the one because it's been so big. And and then people will will end up finding some, and then we'll um, bring lawsuits against the the retailers for selling it. Um, and, and it may you know may start out in in Europe, but I think that that kind of thing is going to happen. And it it, it I, I agree, it's it's a fraud thing, um, and, and and hopefully it it forces. Um, everyone to look at suppliers a little more closely but but again with a system that might be a little that, that's probably broken right well my my prediction for the coming year is that there'll be food poisoning outbreaks oh that's an that's an easy one don my yeah my my prediction for the coming year is that i'm gonna get i'm gonna get larry goodrich to eat an apple muffin <laughs> not a brand muffin no an apple muffin because it's an apple product I, I, that was a, that was a newsroom joke. Oh damn! Gotcha. Yeah. So George, the, not to bring it back to the newsroom, Sorry. but I'm going to bring it back to the newsroom. George, the, there's a whole running bit the first season about George, uh, the 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 news director. He, he he wants and can't get a brand muffin. He gets everything but a brand muffin. And there's even a very funny episode where he sends one. He sends the intern out to get his Metamucil for him. And anyway, it's just it's 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 a riot. Um. But speaking of brands that you trust, you know, um. Uh, uh, Bats posted something very in- interesting really, recently. He was uh, interviewed for an article in the the New York Daily News. He posted, I think he posted something on his Tumblr about it. He was something like uh, he was all over this article, like bad mayonnaise on a sandwich or something. I'm getting the quote wrong, but we'll look it up. Um, but but he made a comment, I guess, to one of his one of his friends. Uh, maybe it was maybe it was on Facebook. It was on Facebook. Um, one of his friends about, well, what do you do? Do you do you eat leafy greens? And he's like, yes, I eat leafy greens, but I eat, I try to eat leafy greens from this one company because I know and respect their food safety program, and I try to avoid leafy greens from this company because of the reverse. And so I thought that was you know very interesting that he would in a semi semi public environment come out and say that, and and you know good good for him. I think that's that's an important uh, thing. We all we all ought to you know stand up for something. Yeah, well, I, I yeah I totally agree. I mean I think that's how I approach the the grocery store stuff. I mean there are a couple of. Um, uh, retailers that I that I know kind of well, like the the people that run food safety for the for the company. So I at least know that the person who's there knows what they're doing, and and maybe they have challenges in getting suppliers to um, to be part of you know to to follow what they're supposed to do, and maybe they have challenges at the store level. But at least the person who who I you know is competent in the position of of running food safety, they may not have the resources or, or whatever. But that's how, I mean that's partially how I, I choose my you know where I'm going to shop, uh, and, and especially oh I mean, yeah, it, I mean it's just um, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll shop at Wegmans because uh, I know they do a good job with food safety. If I lived in the South, I'd shop at Publix because uh, I know Mike Roberson's keeping our <laughs> keeping our food safe. Michael Roberson's keeping our yeah. food safe there at Publix, and so and likewise for um, uh, Food Lion and uh, right. yeah, Larry, Larry Cole. Cole. So yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's I mean that's it. But we're in the we're uh, we're the in the know, right? How to. How do normal people do it? I, I <laughs> yeah. don't know. Well, they, they probably do it, you know, by, based on how it looks and probably probably a little bit on price. But, uh, you know, depending on what your income is, if you're if you're really not making a lot of money, you're probably going to make most of your decisions strictly based on price. But, yeah, and then it, when, you know, if you if you have a car, you don't have a car, what's where it's easy to get to, things like that. Yeah. Where to uh, where to next? You get to pick. All right. Um... There's a there's a a bunch 
there's a bunch here that aren't are, are very funny. Um, actually, there's one that I real I really do want to talk about, and it's not food safety related, but it is podcasting related, and that is a a post um, from uh, Scott Simpson on his Tumblr site. Uh, his Tumblr site is is called uh, Your Monkey Called, and and for those that don't know, Scott is was part of a podcasting trio uh, composed of Adam Lissagor, Scott Simpson, and Merlin Mann that did a podcast called You Look Nice Today. And uh, they they kind of tailed off and they brought it back. And now I think, I think Adam's just too busy, so they're not doing it anymore. Um, but this is a piece that actually Scott wrote for the magazine. And the magazine, for those that don't know, is uh, an internet-only magazine developed by Marco Arment, um, which is a by subscription. And and I remember reading it at the time it came out in the magazine uh, because I'm a subscriber. But then uh, the rules are is that one month, I think, after it's released to the magazine, you can post it on your on your own website. And and it's really it's really a the title of the piece is "You Are Boring." And, and the basic idea is is that you know he at one point Scott worked for Apple and and uh, the the company not the fruit, <laughs> um, <laughs> and he had a job that basically involved listening to a whole lot of podcasts. And as he says in his article, it's possible that he's heard more podcasts than than anyone else literally on the planet. Um, and he, he said he, he learned to tell very quickly whether somebody was interesting or not, whether they had a, a good podcast or not. Um, he says the vast majority were so bad. I'd often wish that microphones could be sold only to licensed users. Um, but he said the people who were interesting told good stories and they were also inquisitive. They were willing to work to expand their social and intellectual range and they were also the best listeners. They knew when to ask questions. Um, and, and since reading this, it's occurred to me that, you know, I think we do a pretty good job um, on this podcast, but that we probably ought to do a better job of, you know, making it less a show about the news and, and, and more a show about what we think about the news and, and, to, and to, to, to have that, you know, that interplay back and forth. Well, it's, <clears throat> it's good. Yeah. It, <clears throat> whoa. Excuse me. Um, and not uh, cough into the microphone. It does, he doesn't mention that. You know, when, when you posted this, I, I went through it a, um, a couple of days ago, and I thought it was – I mean, I, I thought he was a really good writer. Oh, he <laughs> – yeah. More than anything, I just I, – I really enjoyed the article. I just thought it was um, written really well and, and um, was interesting. And also, I loved uh, – well, and, and then I thought a little bit as, as – uh, maybe I am boring, but I kind of like being boring. <laughs> but maybe I'm not boring. I don't know. But the I, I don't I, I a lot of the the stuff that um, that he mentioned early on about um, you're a, a Democrat, outspoken atheist, and a foodie. You like to say science. You wear jeans during the day yeah. and fancy jeans at <laughs> night. You listen to music featuring yep. wispy lady vocals and electronic bloops. This is my favorite part. Is this you really like coffee except for Starbucks, Starbucks which, is the, which worst. is the worst? No way, Coke's the worst. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Unless it's Mexican Coke, which and in it's case awesome. it's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it was it was good. It made me. It, it, I, I agree with you. It made me think. It made me think about how we um, how we do what we do on this show and how I do what I do in Barfog and ultimately what I do when I when I give a talk and and it's. Um, 
I like to tell stories and that's something that, that I, I mean, I really, I don't know if I knew how to do it before. Um, I, I was one of Doug's students or not, but that's the, uh, when, when I, and I, I, when I sort of say things to my students about writing something or, um, uh, trying to come up with, with a talk, I'm, I'm always about, well, what's the story here? And I, I think the, um, you know, like, like we said in after dark last time, um, when I've got, when I'm, when I dedicate some time to the show and I think about what my stories are going to be, I think it sounds better. And, and it ultimately is what, um, what Scott says here. It's, it's, it's all about, it really is all about storytelling. That's what makes a good, um, science communicator. I think is what makes a good communicator in general, makes someone compelling is can they recognize what people are um, in their audience are, um, are interested in and what they're trying to, um, to learn about and then, and, and sort of exploit that through their, through their stories. Um, early on with barf blog, that, that was one of the things that Doug kind of, kind of said was this, this isn't so much about, you know, we're a aggregator or a breaking news site or anything like that, or, or outbreak net. What, what, what it's about is what do we feel? What do we feel about what's in the, um, in, in the message or what's in the story? And, and I hope I bring that to the podcast, but, but I think you're right. We can always improve on this. I mean, even just, just trying to figure out what are, what the stories we want to tell are. Well, and you know, and that's exactly right. And I have, uh, probably in the last, I don't know, the last five or so years, and maybe it's been the influence of, of people like Doug is to, to use that when I talk to my graduate students too. And I say, okay, so we don't have a story yet, right? There's not a paper here. There's not a story yet. So what's the story? You know, how, how it has to have a beginning and middle and an end. You have to understand the scientific context in, in which the work takes place. You have to do the work and then you have to show how it, it now relates and has now expanded upon the existing work. And, and some students get that and some of them don't. And, and, and again, I faced the same thing yesterday with, okay, so I'm, under the gun to write this this damn article. What's the story? Well, I kind of had already worked out the story in the PowerPoint presentation because it it was like three case studies, and it's like okay, well, I'm going to tell the story of three case stories about Salmonella, right? And 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 there's going to be a take home message from each one, and there's going to be an overall arc, and 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 it ended up working, uh, rel- you know, relatively well. So yeah, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think it is a lot about uh, the stories we tell ourselves and, and the stories we tell yeah. others. Yeah. Well, um, I'm going to jump jump out of this and into the um, norovirus piece that you, that you have in here about um, UNC Chapel Hill. And oh, do, yeah. Well, and it has to do with storytelling because because I have a um, there's a uh, a student. She's not one of my students, but she's she works for me part time. Who's in public policy at uh, UNC Chapel Hill, and she's done a lot of work on um, our food safety at community and school gardens. Um, document and I, I'll link to that, but it's something that um, that Linda reviewed for me. A, a, I don't know a year ago or so, and and it's this this document that that we are using with with our partnership with the Department of Public Instruction. Anyway, her name's Ashley. Um, I don't think she listens, so I'll tell the whole the whole story here. She forwards me an alert um, on Sunday saying um, 
you know, that, that there's this uh, gastro illness outbreak going on. And there's some really interesting messages about uh, don't, you know, don't go to work or school, stay home if uh, all if possible. Um, use a really diluted, uh, if, if someone in your house like throws up, just use a little bit of bleach to, um, to knock at the Norovirus. Anyway, so as she sends it to me um, Sunday afternoon, and I said, um, she's like, potential Noro at UNC. And I said, sure looks like it. Nice. Want to write about it? And she goes, sure. What kinds of things would I say? And I say, how it makes you feel as a UNC student. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, not, not like, oh, this is norovirus. Just how does it make you feel? Right. And her, what response, it, yeah. Yeah, her response is awesome. I'll come up with some sort of emotion. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently Ashley's a robot. Yeah. And I said, don't force it. <laughs> really? It's like, how about, how about, holy crap, I'm going to get sick. I want to stay home. I'm going to bathe in sanitizer. I'm going to, what? Yeah. It's, I, Ashley should listen to this show. I, right, right. How, I, how can you not have an emotion about that? I think, I think she was being a little bit sarcastic, but I just, but, but I agree. It was that, that to me was, that's the first thing. It's how can I connect what my personal life is to whatever is going on so I can write about it or talk about it in a, in a way that's not, it, that really isn't artificial. It's not like I made it up. It's that I sit down and think about it. Like, well, if I'm in that situation, what do I think? What, what kind of information do I have? What does this make me feel like? And then let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's come up with that story. But I don't, I, I wonder if it, that, I mean, in the academic world is just not natural. I mean, I, I don't know my, my sample size here, the denominator is very small, but I, but I think there are probably uh, of the people that that I work with or that I know, there are less good storytellers than there are bad storytellers. Wait, I don't know if I phrased that. There are bet there are not a lot of really good storytellers. And the ones when I go to conferences, I only really go to people's talks who I think are good storytellers based on what I've seen them do in the past. And then every once in a while there'll be some gem that I see. And it's the same thing with with writing and, and reading um uh stuff on the internet. It's who are the good storytellers. Yep, ab- so. absolutely. You know, and it just as a, as a for example, Paul Hall, right? We were both there when he gave his wonderful talk about the 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 people with the numb lips. Exactly. I mean, excellent story, weird food safety problem, and Paul's a hilarious guy, but he also understands the science and he also understands I think how to how to tell a, a great story. So, yeah. Right. And puts and puts it all together. I mean, that's the thing is to to be able to draw it back to to the to the data that he had and to be able to to navigate this the system with a bunch of microbiologists to say hey you all know about this well let me let me tell you a story about how this this matters or 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 whatever it's it's funny you can uh, i mean like scott's um article i think i can pick that out on twitter better than i can elsewhere people that tweet about stuff um that i that i follow that don't get it and that i don't follow them anymore i mean you, you know, i don't know if i'm being too cryptic but but every once in a while it, it'll be like, oh, why did you tweet that? You were tweeting such great stuff before, and then you—that was total crap from a microbiological standpoint or from a science hmm. point. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, man, I'm I'm shocked. Or the other way that someone I I tweet or I follow that that is just purely for um uh you know uh mental masturbation um is uh then does something really cool, and I was like, oh man, I didn't expect that. So. 
who knows who knows even what i'm talking about anymore it's so abstract let's move on <laughs> okay i've confused myself don but but you know i i, I think it it's it, it i wanted to bring up this outbreak at unc just because we have been talking just i think the last episode about well gosh what would happen if there was an outbreak at nc state right because norocore is there and bam like literally the next week literally the next university over and they've got a, an outbreak so anyway I, I just thought yeah. it was very cool it was awesome and and you know what, what was cool about this this outbreak um we'll link to this in the show notes is they um it wasn't like how other outbreaks are often monitored at least the um you know we're not we're not always in the midst of it but right in this this uh, article um on WRAL which is our local awesome television station um says an electronic survey was sent out to students seen by campus health in effort to identify possible possible common exposure so in a um in a normal outbreak investigation situation from what i understand you'd send somebody out to that individual's house or you give them a you know maybe a written kind of thing but here you're you're kind of like hey these folks are online they're using email or whatever else so let's give them an electronic survey let's give them survey monkey and they can fill it out and and we'll get good data yeah but unfortunately in this case it didn't work right there no. was no common source which is you could would kind of Five. expect that with norovirus right yeah there are probably multiple multiple, multiple, multiple sources, sources right right uh but it was uh yeah it was it, it, so it's so it's coming this way <laughs> it's first two years ago we had an outbreak at duke then uh unc maybe it'll go to nc central next which is in durham as well and then us and we'll be able to mobilize and go go crazy <laughs> excellent well while we're talking about um good storytelling and while we're i think we're we're having trouble sticking to food safety i'm going to take us off of food safety again uh and just talk about uh no baby carrots really um this is a wonderful so i i, I was like oh, how did what? you have you how did you uh, happen upon food myths and memes <clears throat> well i am stalking you Dr. Benjamin Chapman, um, I think at one point you had linked to something. And it's like, oh, oh, this is a this is an interesting website. This is a North Carolina State University Cooperative Extension website, and huh, it's a it's a blog, a web blog, a uh, web blog uh, from uh, Ben Chapman and Carolyn Dunn. And so, uh, I guess you're the food safety person, and Carolyn is the nutrition person. And and so I think again, I think this comes down to I think I think this is in my um, my news feed, and it's like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And and again. Just props to I don't know Carolyn, uh, but props to her for 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 writing a really cool story and and so basically the, and we'll link to this in, in the show notes. But um, uh, you know the, as she writes in in the article, a new year brings out the best of diet craziness. We came back from the holiday coma with tight pants and blah blah blah. Um, uh, she says I thought I'd heard it all. That is until now. A friend who needs to lose weight told me about a new quote diet prescribed by a quote health professional. It includes a restrictive eating plan, lots of supplements, and wait for it, no. No baby carrots. No baby carrots. Yes, no baby carrots. Apparently, baby carrots are high in sugar. <laughs> Carolyn writes, compared to what? Kale. <laughs> and and then this is this is the, the this is the, the what sets the hook. Is it just the baby carrots? Are regular carrots okay? Okay, somebody needs to clear this up for me. 
<laughs> yeah. How can at about four calories each baby carrots be singled out as a food that is off the menu? And you know, and and so good for her for calling for calling BS on this because that's ex- that's exactly it's exactly what it is. Is this is just a, another wacky fad diet? And okay, yeah, I guess carrots are sweet, so they're high in sugar. But my God, carrots are a, a healthy food, and there's no real difference between baby carrots and regular carrots, at least not from a nutritional standpoint. So anyway, it's just just good for her for just it was you know it's it's not a long article. It's probably two minutes to read it, but it just it's nice and it just makes a really nice a nice point. So anyway, I just I just thought that was really nice and I, I just wanted to call that out. Awesome. Well, Carolyn was uh, came into my office and we were talking a little bit about this and and her her comment to me was. Oh man, if baby carrots make me fat, she's a very tiny, uh, tiny woman. She goes, uh-huh. I'd never get, I can't come in your office. I can't get through that door. <laughs> she's eating so many baby carrots. Yeah. yeah. I've eaten so many baby carrots. I can't get in. I'm sorry. I'm oh. not going to be able to take that, sit that in that seat next to you on the airplane. I'm going to need two of them. Too many, too many baby, baby carrots. Should have, should have stuck with the not baby carrots, just the regular carrots. Oh. Yeah, it was, it was good. We, I mean, we started this, this blog food, miss some memes a few years ago as a place for us to, to put, very like specific types of um uh blog posts and and i put all my info sheets there it's really directed at the agents that uh that we serve in in the state and um and carolyn has has been blogging elsewhere um for a while she uh she also runs a um a, a partnership well not runs a partnership but she's a leader in, in a partnership called um eat smart move more and uh so she's been doing these great blogs on stuff like this and and she you know she and i saw each other last week she goes i gotta get I, you know i just gotta repost them on on myths and memes because these are myths these are real things that that come up that are in um uh, the common discussion so oh yeah. yeah yeah so it's it's cool she had a she's all about kale as well someone saying that kale is such a great source of of uh um, calcium to her, and she goes, "Well, I guess so. I mean, by weight, it's pretty good, but I'm not <laughs> how have much to eat. do you have to eat?" Yeah. She's like, "I'm not have to eat. I could, I could drink like four ounces of milk or eat 250 cups of." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I'm gonna go with the milk. <laughs> oh, and I, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of of uh, green vegetables. We had we had some Brussels sprouts the other night uh, when we were in Charlotte. Uh, for the the program committee meeting, they were out of this world, and I have really tried to like kale, and I just do not like it. So, I'm not a fan of kale. Yeah. I, uh, Brussels sprouts. I had never eaten Brussels sprouts growing up until Danny and I lived together. My parents, neither of my parents, liked them, and uh, I didn't really like them the first couple times that that we had them. But Danny's, she's made them um, with. Like olive oil and bacon lately, and oh, I mean, that that was what we had in Charlotte. It was it was, so it was like a it was like cooked, so it's got that nice caramelized and and with bacon. Oh, it's so good, and and you feel you know it's like okay, it's got a little bit of bacon, it's got a little bit of oil, but man, oh, and I I just yeah, I love Brussels sprouts. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm I'm back in. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I will take them when they uh, when they arrive on the plate. Uh, <laughs> speaking, speaking of vegetables, though, let me tell you about the best tweet of the week that I saw. Oh, excellent! Was um, 
Siri, this was the tweet, and I can't remember who it was that I followed, but it was, quote, Siri, remind me in 12 hours that I just ate beets. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and and I've, beets are something that are relatively new on my menu as well. And, and I've had this discussion with Danny um, multiple times in the last couple of years that beets are kind of a shocking food for me because uh, I kind of forget just like the, the tweeter. Um, that I've eaten them until I go to the bathroom and then I see them and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm dying. Oh no, I just had beets. But what's crazy about this is, Dan, you know, we'll, we'll have a meal of beets and I have the that like um, very red uh, bowel movement. And Danny's like, I've never seen it. I've never, I've never <laughs> have this problem. You're something's wrong with you. Like you're not, you're not eating enough kale. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's very interesting. Yeah, I the only the, I, I don't uh, I don't notice that I get that from beets, but with me it's asparagus, and it's like, mm. what is that smell? Oh, that's right, asparagus, asparagus. at dinner. <laughs> yes, and that's so that I mean that one is like a um, so that that is you able to smell ketones, right? Or that specific uh, ketone? The, the, you, yeah, I, I looked into this at one point about what the yeah. There's a whole science behind it, which it just escapes me at the moment. But we'll we'll link to the Wikipedia article on asparagus, which I'm sure covers it. <laughs> I, I think it's that everyone's pee smells, but not everybody can smell it. Is that it, or is it not? Is it not that not everyone's pee smells? I don't. I, I don't can't know. remember. Well, anyway, Wikipedia will tell us later. Because Wikipedia is never wrong. No, it's it's usually pretty good. Um, I wanted to talk about. Um, what? Um, I want to talk about this aging your canned goods thing. Sure. Okay. So there was, uh, someone sent me a, a, a link to this article, um, that was in slate earlier this week and, um, it was reprinted from, from another blog, but it was, is basically a, a foodie. Uh, one of the guys that, uh, Scott Simpson was talking about, um, who blogs on food saying, uh, something about, um, canned goods that are aged have different flavors and there's this whole subculture of aging those canned goods either artificially through speeding it up by braising them uh or letting them sit around for a while and i'd never i'd never really heard of it i mean it's not again it's not like a really food safety issue um as long as the cans hold their integrity um but but i thought i mean we've talked a lot about preservation on on the podcast and i just thought this was, was kind of an interesting um uh, article for me because I had never really I didn't know anything about this and so the um, uh, the the author uh, uh, his name's Harold McGee he talks about how uh, apparently in in uh, England there's kind of or not England in Europe there's a, a little bit of a um, there are canned food aficionados and uh, it, it, especially around things like sardines. Um, and he uh, did a little bit of taste test uh, of uh, canned sardines from, uh, I think it was like six years ago and ones that were new and that they're, you know, vastly different, uh, different flavors. And, um, you know, a lot like wines uh, basically was, was his comment. Um, but here, here's the part that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, 
and I don't know this. Uh, this is the discussion I want to have with you because I don't know if you know anything about this. But his, his comment is a general rule of thumb is that the rate of chemical reactions approximately doubles with each 20 degree rise in temperature. So if you store foods at 40 degrees above its normal around uh, above its normal, which would be around 100 degrees, you can get the idea of a year's worth of change in just three months. So first question was how how would you where are you storing things at 100 degrees for three months? Because um, I, I think your special food agent that you built in your basement because so. you're a fan of aged canned, canned foods. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the, the principle that he's talking about is, is definitely correct. And, and there, there's, a, there's a wonderful book. I think it's out of print uh, called uh, Shelf Life Dating of Foods by, by Ted Labuza, where he goes through a lot of this, uh, the degradation kinetics of, of various food products. And it's well known. It's different for different foods and it's not exactly true. But as, as a rule of thumb, it's, it's, it's generally true. But now, do you, have you, before this article, had you ever heard of Harold McGee? No, I don't know who Harold McGee is. Yeah, so Harry, he is a, a very famous uh, uh, author who has written a number of books about food science, and oh. and and they're well worth checking out. They're probably uh, yeah. So uh, he wrote a book called On Food and Cooking in 1990, uh, and then uh, another book uh, called The Curious Cook: More Kitchen Science and Lore. And so they're really some of the very first books out there to popularize food science. Um, so uh, anyway, um, it, it's he's, he's a cool dude, and he. Definitely Definitely, um, he definitely does a good job of getting the science right most of the time. But uh, but yeah. So anyway, back to aging food in your in your hundred degree incubator. <laughs> right. Yeah. In your wherever you might have that uh, built. Well, I mean that that was the thing that that was really what I wanted to talk about was was is this you know from your experiences is is this doable and would you? I mean, I'm not a big canned food eater anyway. But um, I mean, have you ever have you ever done this? Have you ever eaten really old canned food? Well, not like, on purpose. And right. <laughs> I mean, and no, and my advice to consumers is, look, when you buy the stuff, write the date that you bought it and then first in, first out, you know, you, you don't want it to be towards the end of its shelf life. You want it sooner rather than later. Um, if for no other reason, then the nutritional label will be accurate. But that's, that's just, that's just wacky. As, as, as my wife is fond of saying, there are some people out there that have way too much free time. <laughs> exactly. Well, I did like Harold's po- point here of, I found that braising cans changes the flavor and textures within, but unpredictably so. Yeah. (laughs) It's because cans aren't built as cooking vessels. Right. Right. And, you know, and I understand, like, if you're out on a camp out and you have a fire and you have a can of beef stew and you don't have anything to put it in that you can you can open up, please open the can first, open up the can and throw it in the fire and heat it that way. I like that. That's kind of a cool idea. But as a general practice... That just seems wacky to me. Yeah. The, o- the only thing that, that kind of popped out on a food safety standpoint is, is one of his last paragraphs. He talks about some really old uh, cookbooks. Um, Jules Gouffet's 1869 book of preserves simply directs the cook to solder lids on tins for a number of fish, meat, and vegetable preparations. And the 1938 edition of La Russe's Gastronomique does the same for foie gras. It seems like that's a, 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 a really bad idea. Like it seems like there's probably a lot of botulism potential there. Yes. <laughs> so so I was just like, yeah, this, this is where things got a little bit uh, out of hand for me. But but an interesting article nonetheless. For yeah, and I will check out Harold McGee. I did had never uh, never heard of the dude before. Yeah. Well, and he as he as he writes on his uh, website, you know, he likes to write about chemistry and and food, and that's but that's really that's kind of dangerous advice. That one is, yeah. yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't go ahead and say like you should do this. He just points out that this is how you could 
how, what what others have said you could do yeah but wouldn't it wouldn't it also be appropriate to say Don't to say this. look and there's yeah. also this thing called botulism i right. mean yeah. that's just that's the responsible thing to do and, and surely he must know about botulism right i mean yeah. he's written books about science and science. food so yeah oh um, so cool what's our what's our next story What's our time here? Okay. Where do you want to, where do you want to go, Don? Is your microphone off? Yeah, sorry. I'm on mute. <laughs> I'm saying I'm saying such a fun, the best the best stuff I've ever said on the podcast and it's, it was it's awesome. on mute. Um Well, yeah, I mean, the problem is we have such awesome list of things to talk about. I think we're both paralyzed by the, by the list of things, which I, I mean, I just get in a, in a zone where I'm just throwing stuff on there and, uh, and it's just, it just really has kind of become, um, well, daunting. How about, how about this? All right. Let me, let me prompt you because you put something on here. Um, the, the uh, Michigan firm recall recalls ham products that were produced without a HACCP plan. Yes. Let's, let's talk about Soccer. this. And then, and then, and then, you know what, after that, I want to talk about the Zachary chocolate covered eggs. Perfect. So, um, yeah. So, so, so set up the, set, set us up on the, on the HACCP plan one. So this is a, um, FSIS, uh, recall, uh, that, that came out, uh, just over the weekend. And, um, from the from the recall, this is what uh, what FSIS says. The problem was discovered when an FSIS inspector observed the establishment personnel making diced and sliced ham products from whole hams. These hams were labeled as fully cooked, but the company does not have a HACCP plan for fully cooked product or a listeria control program. Further investigation revealed that other ready-to-eat and heat-treated products produced without HACCP plans. HACCP plans in which establishments identify potential hazards associated with a given product and identify uh, means of addressing those hazards in the production process are required for all products, all FSIS-regulated products. So my question is, how can you be in business in the meat industry where they've had HACCP since the mid-'90s and not have a HACCP plan for this product. That does not inspire confidence Incredible. At, at all. <laughs> but on the other side, how did they just start with this product? How many inspections have come through where they haven't, where someone hasn't seen their HACCP plan? Um, <laughs> that was what, that was my yeah. Thought. Was like, is this? Uh, if it was, if it said in the release. This is a new product, and they didn't have a HACCP plan, which you know we probably wouldn't say in the release. But the fact that it says further investigation revealed other ready-to-eat and heat-treated products, how did that happen? How did how did they you know? The, lots of people are in the in the wrong here. The the company obviously should have had this. It's it's mandatory, and they should have it even if it wasn't mandatory because it's the right thing to do with that that kind of product. But but how did I mean? How many other inspectors kind of just didn't see that there was not a HACCP plan? And and that's so so kudos to the inspector that that kind of caught it uh, on this time and maybe they were doing a lot of stuff right but they do need to have that plan something that they can point to that says this is how we handle it all the time well and and I, I suspected just to to advocate for, not advocate but to to talk about it from the company's perspective I work with a lot of companies that 
seem to make a dizzying array of products. And so part of it may be that they, they have like 30 or 40 things that they make. They don't make everything all day, every day. Um, and they'll change. And if, if they're, if they're packing for other people or packing for other people's label on the product, they may change it up slightly, or, or they may have a slightly different product. And, and so of course that, 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 the master plan for each of those would potentially be different. And so on the one hand, yeah, I could kind of see how an inspector, I mean, maybe I'm not apologizing for the company, but for the inspector, maybe the inspector might miss it, but it seems to me it's pretty straightforward. You go into a company, you find out what they're making that day. And then if you've never been there before, you know, you ask to their HACCP plan or you ask for the record sheets, right? I mean, yeah. if they're collect, if they don't have a HACCP plan, then, you know, there's gotta be cook records, right? So they, they have a cook record, but not a plan i mean again and 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 it's a little bit of a technicality right i mean the products may in fact be perfectly safe Absolutely. um but but it it is kind of a you know crossing your t's and dotting your i's kind of thing that it's like mm, you know I mean, even if you're really busy that's kind of a yeah i want to do that <laughs> make well, make sure you have a hassle plan yeah and and also i mean it comes back to the the horse thing and the auditors is as the buyer of this because they're ultimately this company is not selling it directly to me as a consumer but the folks that um uh that that sell this this stuff um they probably want to know that there's a hassle plan in place like that that someone is managing this that they've looked at what the hazards are and that they're able to uh to address them so it's i mean everybody here um and, and I and I agree with you. I think I know what, what you're saying is this isn't. Um, the, you know, oftentimes the industry is making lots and lots of things and are switching it up. And and it's um, they may have a has a plan for a very similar product. Um, maybe it's something that, um, that that goes in a different size package or or whatever. But but it is important to to look at these things. Uh, all all the products and all the hazards. Right. Right. So let's right. so so with keeping with uh, the or starting our, our holiday theme now. Um, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is this uh, uh, salmonella or not in chocolate covered marshmallow eggs. And so the, the headline is no salmonella in candy eggs after all. Firm says. Um, so the Indiana firm that recalled its Zachary chocolate. Co- Zachary chocolate-covered marshmallow eggs less than a month before Easter over fears of salmonella contamination now says that a test was wrong and the candy is fine. Uh, The company voluntarily pulled four lots of its popular holiday treat on on February 27th after a test of one lot by a a laboratory indicated a positive result for salmonella. Um, Let's see, the lab reported... This is what gets me. The lab reported that further testing of the sample detected no salmonella, according to George Anaccini, the company's vice president of operations. Accordingly, all post-production samples have now been all, 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 all post-production samples of Zachary chocolate-covered marshmallow eggs have now been confirmed to not contain salmonella and are safe for consumption, a firm official said in a press release. Well, if you go to their website... You can read a scan of the press release, and you can uh, you can type the email address that exists in scan form and send them an email, which I did, saying, "How many did you test?" <laughs> and did you get a response? What do you think, Ben? <laughs> I think I, that they said they. I, I think that they um, sent you a response, and they said we tested all of them, and that's why we couldn't sell you any. Yeah, I mean that—that's the, the only. I mean, this just this just this just makes me mad. I mean, 
I mean, accordingly, all post-production samples have now been confirmed to not contain salmonella. The only way you can know that is by testing all of them. I mean, right. it's just, but you know, but and what I don't know, and and what what would be very interesting. I mean, so obviously the, this guy's a bozo and doesn't understand sampling, right? Um, but. Apparently, the FDA has decided to go along with this, and so that's so there must be something else going on because I don't think the I mean you know I don't think the FDA would let them get away with this if if indeed um, there was something really going on. I mean it may well have been a true lab error, but then again the story is what's the lab error? How did you confirm? That in fact it's a lab error and and not uh, and not and not a uh, and 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 not that you just retested and didn't find it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and what are the scenarios that could have played out there? Is it that they went ahead and reported this as a presumptive positive initially? They conducted the recall not on a confirmed positive but a presumptive positive, and then that did not end up being presumptive. Well, well and, not 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 end up, not end up being confirmed. Right, and and that's and well, and that's factual, and that I understand. Right, <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, they don't say that. No, well, they don't well, say that at all. But what's the other option? Like, even if you know, it, it, and I don't want to. Uh, I, I don't. Th- this is not what we know happened. So it's. I mean, I'm just purely guessing at it. But is it that the company, you know, Zachary Chocolate Covered Marshmallow Eggs said, "Look, we don't think it's in there. Test that lot again." And oh well, we tested a second sample from that lot and detected no salmonella. You know, if that's yeah, that's option, what I would expect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If that if that was an option, then that doesn't mean anything, right? But yeah, but again, you're right. This the the full story is not here. Yeah, not at all. Um, but uh, as you know, uh, the the message is that um, salmonella may or may not be in chocolate. <laughs> And specifically, and, Zachary's chocolate covered <laughs> marshmallow eggs. Yeah, but it sounds exactly. like sounds. I mean, depends on who you uh, who you believe on this one. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just I'm just scratching my head because I just I'm, something something's missing. We're not getting the full story there. And 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 you know, and again, I, I'm sure it's fine if the FDA says it's fine. I, I trust I trust them in this particular instance. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I'm just I'm just very puzzled. But it's it's another situation here. Of, and going back to my my common rant about this, that, that I think what's what's bothering you on this is that that there's more to this story that we don't know about. And if we told people more of the story, although it might be too much for some or might be a little bit boring, it at least tells those who are interested. It, it pulls the curtain back on on how messy some of this stuff is. Not not that Zachary's chocolate covered marshmallow eggs process is messy, but the, how. how this is there are um, we're dealing not in absolutes that there is contamination that can happen that people make decisions based on this but if we if we complete that story at least it's not a surprise when something big happens and that that I mean that to me that's the that's the thing here that that pops up over and over again every every couple of weeks when we do this um, this podcast is that there's there's more to this than that that it's out there and we we missed an opportunity to tell people about it. You know what I think was wrong with that story, Ben? It had way too much science and not enough production values. <laughs> and you know what? I'm gonna I'll try and make some emotion. I'll try and try and feel something. <laughs> Please try and feel something. <laughs> don't, but don't force it. Don't force it. <laughs> That's good advice. I thought that was the best answer to that. <laughs> Just don't force it. <laughs> well, 
I think that's a show, Ben. I think we're at we're at the end of another another list of tales, Don. Um, Indeed. Good. Well, it was good. It was good. Um, uh, I I continue to check uh, iTunes somewhat randomly to see if there are any other ratings, good or bad, or or messages to us, and we haven't seen any. So, um, for listeners who haven't done that, please just go ahead and tell us what what you think, um, and uh, if you want us to change what we do, because we will. We're I, I'll I'll uh, pander. I think that's the right term here. I'll pander to the to the audience. Yeah, well, and and here's the thing: if you're if you're listening to the show and you've rated us in iTunes, thank you. That's that was really nice of you to do. If you're listening to the show and you haven't rated us in iTunes, well, shame on you. Uh, you should you should you should rate us. And if you're downloading but not listening to the show, <laughs> Linda Harris, you know who you are, or maybe you don't know who you are. She won't know. But yeah. we'll, we'll we can remind her when we have our call with her later. We've mentioned we mentioned her just like uh, um, Jimmy Kimmel that Matt Damon's coming on at the end of the show. Um, we will mention Linda Harris at the end of every show, just knowing that she won't ever listen to it. I, I think she might listen some. Awesome. She's going on sabbatical, so she's going to be working at the FDA. I think pretty much they work like a Monday through Friday nine to five thing there. So she'll be, she'll be watching the clock. Yeah, she'll be watching the clock, and then she'll get to kick back and listen to a podcast uh, on her long commute home. She's on the metro, <laughs> perhaps so. Oh, good. Well, Don, it's been a it's been a blast. Good to, good to talk to you as always, and glad we uh, we we did this uh, so short after the last one. That was good. Yeah. Well, of course, the people don't really know that because we haven't actually posted the last one yet. Oh, but uh, it, it, the two of these are going to go up close together. Sounds good, Ben. All right. Talk to you later. All Don. right. Take care. Bye bye. That was good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, we got. I mean, this this thing with the, having so much in the show notes. It's really. Mm. I, I don't know what the solution is because I want. I want yeah. the freedom to capture everything, but then at, I don't know. We just gotta. I, I I don't know what the solution is yet, but I think we. I, I, what and I, I caught myself doing it this time and last time. It's like, where do you want to go next? I think I not. I, I need to not say that. You, you just need to go somewhere to go. next, right? Yeah, exactly. just, just go. Yeah, I think you're right. It's uh, that that's that it was annoying me. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I just kept saying, it. so I don't 
I, I, at least I recognize. <laughs> well, them. I wasn't going to say anything, but no, you yes, should. I, you should I, say something. If I, yeah, but yeah, yeah no, no, I think just, I, just just go somewhere next. Yeah, because yeah. um, it, it's in there, so obviously we, it's important enough for us to talk about. Yeah, it. I thought about it. You know, it, that it would be fun to talk to at some point. Oh, I, yeah. this is this, my my mouse has gone completely dead. Good thing I can navigate with my keyboard. So, um, I just changed the batteries, but now it's like uh, it's not working. But yeah. Oh, I I got myself a. Um, like not rechargeable battery, but a rechargeable battery pack that goes into what's it called? Shoot, mm, Mob the Magic Charger. Oh, cool! Yeah, it's really it's really cool. It only I mean, it, oh, they somebody talked about that on a podcast recently. Yeah, it's sli- it slides in, right? Yeah, it slides in, and then it's got this little induction. Yeah, yeah. Br- Brett Terpster was talking about that on a, on a podcast recently. It is, yeah. It's really, it's good. I mean, I haven't, and I was worried about the. I, I bought two of them, one for my office and one like my on you know on campus and one at home. And I was like, uh, before I would get them for everybody, um, I thought, oh, I wonder if it's useful. But it it does. It works really well. The charge sticks around for a long time. I've I've been using it for six weeks. I've charged it. Like fully charged it twice. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so I was doing just doing my part for the environment. Yeah. Well, I have um, I have a Magic Trackpad and uh, it has rechargeable batteries. But I what I do so I got an extra pair of batteries and so I, I t- when the batteries run low, I swap it out and I put the the new pair in then and charge the old pair. But then the old pair just sits there and I left them in the charger. Maybe that was the problem. Uh, Cause I just, my batteries are running low, but I knew I had a freshly charged pair, which I threw in there and apparently they're, they're, uh, they're just, they're just dead now. But, uh, yeah, that's funny that you should, that you mentioned that you're using this thing. Cause like I said, I, I literally just, uh, just heard somebody talking about it on a podcast oh, uh, cool. recently. Yeah. So I have to check that out. Yeah, it's good. I, I would, I would recommend it. It's really good. And it doesn't take up a lot of space. Like, I mean, it's just the, the same size as your mouse. Yeah. Uh, the other cool thing that I got uh, that arrived this week was uh, a Hyper Juice Two. Oh, cool! Yeah, so because I'm I'm constantly trying to find places where there are outlets, as we, you and I have mm. uh, experienced at a meeting. And now I've got uh, I don't know, like an extra 15 hours uh, on this this Hyper Juice. It, it's heavier than I thought it was uh, going to be. I, they listed it, it's like one and a half pounds, and I thought one and a half pounds was lighter than than that. Maybe that's because mm. of my like you know, I thought it would be like iPad kind of weight, um, but it's it's good. It, uh, it it's kind of kind of cool. So I now have you know hours and hours of um, charged fun. And what's that called? Hyperjuice. Yeah, I have a couple of uh, of batteries, uh, like 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 extra battery packs. But uh, I I really don't. I'm pretty good at scoping out outlets, and I have a pretty good battery life especially if i turn wi-fi off uh on my uh on my macbook so that i can i can go and the only time that i really really need it is on long plane rides but then generally speaking a lot of the times i'm on an airplane with um uh that that has in-seat power Mm. so So you have do you have one of those uh um um macbook i don't know what it's called but the um magsafe uh airline adapter no, I don't. I have uh, I have just like so a lot of like a lot of the United flights now just have a standard three prong grounded uh-huh. plug. But I also do have a 
a little adapter thing. It's not a MagSafe one, but it's just a little, you know, I bought it through the Sky Mall <laughs> catalog on, a, on, a, on an airplane. Um, uh, that's the kind of the weird, the weird kind that you, that you plug in. It looks like a cigarette lighter or something. And, yeah. and I have one of those, um, but okay. it's not a MagSafe one. Okay. Yeah, they have those MagSafe ones because that's how – that's one of the op, um, one of the options for the um, – um, Hyperjuice. Okay, you can cool. use the MagSafe. But anyway, it was good. Uh, it, I, I like it. It's. I, I don't know. I, I'm. I'm going to um, Calgary next week, or no, week after next, and I'm taking Jack with me. Um, so this is the first time I've like traveled by myself with with Jack to a talk. Huh. Uh, so he's, it's going to be awesome. How, how so old he, is he? He's four. Mm. Um, now I I have the benefit of having a brother-in-law and sister-in-law that live in Calgary, so right. I don't have to take. They're going to look after Jack while I'm giving my talk. Um, but <laughs> what's the fun in that? I know, I know. I, it's, I'm not too far away from from bringing him out to a, a room of 200 people and letting them go crazy on an iPad at the back. Um, and it's, I mean, you, you only get so much time at this. I think, I think my kids will end up being in year-round school, so non-traditional. Where they'll have really good gaps of time where. Um, you know, we're not, we're not, they'll be able, if I can match up invites with their schedule, I'll be able to take them along with me. Um, so I'm not, I, this one was a little too, you know, at four, he wasn't quite ready to sit at the back of the room, but, um, but he's, it's going to be fun. I mean, it's just a, just the two of us going and we've got, um, you know, two long flight days. So, uh, so anyway, I'll have, he's, he's all about his iPad. So are you there? Oh, son of a bitch. Anyway, that's what, that's what caused the problem. So, well, well, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's all your it's fault. fault. It's all your fault. fault. Um, all right. So, so I, I'm, I found the hyperjuice thing and what's the, what's the, the battery pack thing? Moby, M-O-B-I? Yeah. Moby, uh, no, M-O-B-E-E. Okay. Yeah. Cause M-O-B-I is a thing too. Mm, there we go. Know. Moby battery pack. Yeah. Got it. Yep. 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 Magic charger. That's Magic it. Charger. All right. That's what I've got. Yeah. All right. Good. Well, that's all. That's all in there now. So. Cool. 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 Oh. Uh, oh, like for another episode? You mean? Let's do. We should do another one of these, don't you think? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I I like this. I like this so much. I would really like to do it every week, but I just don't have time. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, same way. The two weeks is is good. We let in between now and the next time. Let's try and investigate how we could do this live. Like broadcasted. I know we talked about it before. I think there are, there are some ways to do this. I think if you're Dan Benjamin, you're really smart. Yes. Well, well oh, you I, mean live, like like face to face live, or oh no no, no. Like, I mean live. like oh. yeah, like my first name is Benjamin, so I'm close. <laughs> and my first name is Don. Don and Benjamin is sounds awfully <laughs> like Dan Benjamin. So I think the two of us could put this together. I, yeah, I, I wonder if there's sure like no. an easy way to do it. To I'm like, pretty. Sh- I'm pretty sure it's a yipes. <laughs> oh no! Let's get Chuck Hass on this. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm sure Dan has has written about it somewhere. I I don't think it's trivial. Um, and it would. I, <laughs> That's so nice of you to say. That's true. I was looking at this like I, it will be very trivial. Like, no, it's not. It's not like at a, all. I just click. It's. Are you sure it's not in just my settings somewhere? <laughs> Yeah, there's a little references. there's a little thing in Skype call recorder. There's an extra button if you buy the yeah. enhanced version. You just click it and it sends it out over the internet. And uh, yeah, and if for an extra ten dollars, you just pick the uh, yeah. FM, FM frequency you want as well. So people, yeah. can 
They're yeah, terrestrial exactly. radios. Yeah. yeah I, th- I think he's got a dedicated machine that is doing nothing but serving it out to the internet. So yeah, I don't have one of those. No. No, I think the odds of having getting us to do this show every week rather than every two weeks are higher than us getting being able to do it and pump it out live. That's probably true. I'm uh, I, I told, I'm I'm still I, the last couple of weeks I've not been able to like get up as early as that I as I want to. But this morning I got up at five and it was Danny got up at seven thirty and she came downstairs and I was like, it was amazing. Two and a half hours, nothing. <laughs> And so that's why I wrote this report, this final report. Yeah. This grant. It was awesome, though. It was like this. It was so I'm going to I've got to do a review tomorrow. Um, and so I'm going to do the same thing. So anyway, that's my, that's my thing. I hope hopefully I can get up two days in a row. I love <laughs> five o'clock's amazing. It's so like I would never have been this guy. Uh huh. That's yeah. good. I, I was I was that guy when my kids were young, and now it's like, yeah, I just I I I mean, yeah, you have, I just you, don't I don't like to do it. No, I don't. Yeah, I like it because it's my only option right oh, now. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I I, to, I totally get that. Uh, that was yeah, that was totally my time too. It's like okay, I can get up and I used to go for a walk, take the dog for a walk early in the morning. Yeah, just go into work early, get stuff done. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm still not wearing pants at that time. <laughs> That's not going to change. No. <laughs> And I, I really don't shower until about three o'clock in the afternoon most days. Yeah, some days I don't even shower. Yeah, some, some days I don't too. But I just <laughs> this I just is feel, TMI for people. That's fine. This is after dark. This is what it's that's all right. About. That's right. I just it, uh, like if I go out somewhere, if I go to Starbucks, I always kind of like to wear like I, I'll have to wear a hat. My my hair is wear a, a hat. Bit, yeah, yeah. Are you are you a hat guy? I don't see you being a hat. I'm guy. a hat guy in the cold weather. I have to be. Oh, it's like too true. cold otherwise. But no, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not a hat guy. But just just in the cold weather, I'm a hat guy. But like a in the cold weather hat, like a the, they would call it here a toboggan, but I would call it a toque, <laughs> and you would call it something else. Yeah, toboggan. That's a sled. <laughs> I know. That's what they call it in North Carolina. That's it, weird. Did you call it a toque? But no, that's because that's way too Canadian. No, that's Canadian. I know, but I live close enough to Canada that I know what a toque is. Right. Yeah. So so so, so what do you call it? Hat. <laughs> Just a hat, like a winter hat, pointy hat, you know, pointy. as opposed to uh, as opposed to a non-pointy hat. Um, I don't know a ski. A ski actually, you know, what? a ski hat is what we would call it. Okay, a ski hat. Yeah, well, we'll do a go- go. Google image search. Ski hat. Yeah, that's what I think. That's what we would call it. We call it a ski hat. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's sort of. Yeah, but it's. I mean, a toque is like that's a real. That's a real definite thing. Yeah. Like that's people know what that is. Um, like, yeah, like I would only. Yeah, it's funny when you Google image search toque. Oh wait, but now, but see they're now, all Canadian. They're but, all. It's like Canada hockey night in Canada, 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 Samantha. But see, but now the I thought a toque was a particular shape, like that was kind of. No. Huh. Okay. It'd be like any any hat wool hat. Then huh. huh. The 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 toques that I like have a little pom pom on the top. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, but uh, no, no, they're pretty. Uh, it's pretty much any any like hat that is wool, knitted knitted hat. Right. Right. Knit. I don't know. Yeah, I thought I thought a toque was a particular shape, but I'm not even. I, this must be just the thing from when I was a kid. Like that. That was just what was the fashion when I was a kid. Maybe that's like an upstate New York thing. Yeah, but if you do, if you Google ski hat, you pretty much do see the kind of things I'm thinking of. But 
Yeah, I'm thinking of a particular. Anyway, this is this is really this is really fascinating for people. Yeah. Okay. So that's yeah. <laughs> Two guys googling stuff, <laughs> googling images on the internet and talking to each other about them. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. It's good. This is what they sign up for. Yeah. This is this is why uh, this is why most of them have already turned it off. <laughs> the real the real fans are still listening. That's right. Michelle mentioned something about Tukes to us. I'm sure. Yeah. There you go. Cool. All right. Um, okay, so we're we're good. So yes. uh, I got that in my. Well, let me see. Did I put that down? Yep. Episode thirty-seven, twenty-six of March, eleven a.m. You got it. Cool. Oh, and I, you know what? That's going to be my fantasy baseball draft spectacular because my draft is on the thirtieth. So I'm going to be really primed up to talk to you about all the guys that I'm going to draft. <laughs> huh. Okay. So like, uh, are they go like they're going into the army? Uh, no, mean? it's 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 even worse than that. I'm actually auctioning. It's an auction, so I hmm. I, I um yes. And I'm baseball, sure that's the that's the one with the little white ball and the sticks, right? You're thinking of cricket. <laughs> <laughs> thinking did we did we talk about the uh, oh, the um, hot box? <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the movie by that guy that did the thing, the, um, Rick uh, Moranis in it. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a link. Okay. I'm sure we, t- I'm sure we, t- <laughs> my brain's not working anymore. All right. I'm sure we talked about this. Maybe not. Maybe it was just with my kid. I talked about it. Hey, what, you know what? It was, it was my, it was my kid. Um, <laughs> Okay. I do a podcast with him too. No, not really. Not really. Oh, it's so it's so funny though. I've got I've got both my kids listening to podcasts. The older one is absolutely listening to and loving Hypercritical with with John Syracuse, which cool. is now done, but he's listening to the, the whole thing. And then my I got my younger son hooked on Roderick on the line. So sweet. My work here is done. Oh, uh, there's no one. I mean, we 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 didn't talk about him today, but there is no one who's a better storyteller and more compelling than Merlin to me. And I have I'm still not a Roderick on the line. Oh, John. I mean, as much as I love Merlin, John is just puts him to shame. I mean, as Merlin has said, you know what he tries to do on that show is just get just get John going and then get out of the way. Awesome. Okay. Well, I need to start listening to that. Yeah. Oh, it's. it's, I mean, just yeah. It's the best 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 podcast going out there. Cool. Well, good. All right. Well, it's been a, it's been a blast. Absolutely. Um, and you're doing show notes, and by yes. doing, I mean you're going to edit what <laughs> what Andreas does, and then uh, I'll do audio. That's right. Yep. Exactly. And uh, I'm going to post the I'm going to edit tonight while I'm watching hockey the episode 36. So we'll be all caught up. Good. And or episode yeah. 35. Sorry. I mean, yeah. Uh, right, thirty six we did today. So and they, yeah, and then and when you put thirty five up, see if you can figure out how to put it up in the new Squarespace six. Well, can you re-invite me to it? So oh, I sure. Can, I can see it, but when I clicked on the like, I got a confirmation email that said, mm-hmm. um, you know, click on this, mm-hmm. and then it said that my my it, my login didn't work because it had expired. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I, can definitely do it. I will. I will definitely re-invite you. Cool. All right. Excellent. All right. We'll uh, talk to you later. All right. Take care, Ben. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.